This series of podcasts on quantum nanotechnology is available free in both audio-only and full video formats from iTunes U. We'll be taking a look at the question, what kind of material would you need to use in order to build perhaps the most exotic technology ever conceived of, namely a quantum computer? In the first podcast, we'll see that the material you might use is something quite ordinary, namely carbon, but in an extremely strange and unfamiliar form. Hello, my name is Simon Benjamin. I'm a researcher here at the University of Oxford, and I'm here today at Science Oxford, where there's an exhibit that I'd like to show you and talk you through. This is an exhibition, an exhibit that was put together by researchers from the materials department here in Oxford and uh, researchers from the University of Nottingham to explain uh, one aspect of our research. It's really the story of how we might, might be able to create a whole new generation of technology, radically different from the kinds of things that we have at the moment, a nanotechnology, actually, something at the molecular scale, but which might process information in a whole new way, a way called quantum computing. But before we get to that kind of exotic stuff, I'd like to tell you a story uh, that starts with, in terms that I think you'll be familiar with. And we'll develop then, and I'll show you some computer-generated animations, and hopefully give you some idea of how we think, we, how we hope that things will eventually work. So our story begins by thinking about carbon. Carbon is something that uh, people have, uh, well, it has many different forms. And what we have behind me here, and here in this example, is a molecular model that shows how, uh, how coal, in this case, looks at the scale of individual atoms. So each of these black objects represents an atom of carbon. And we have some impurities here as well. And we can see that the structure is not very well ordered. So coal is not a particularly interesting substance, but it is a, a very familiar form of carbon, of course. But there are some more, rather more interesting ones that you will already be aware of. For example, this very beautiful structure, which is diamond. Here we see we have a, a perfect ordering. Each of the carbon atoms is bound to four other guys, and that makes an incredibly strong structure. Even this model is strong, rigid. I can't really flex it very much. So diamond, another famous form of carbon. So uh, the third kind of common structure that I want to just remind you about takes us a little bit closer to where we want to be for the main part of this exhibit, is this chap here, which is graphite. Now, graphite is, you may already know, a layered material, really. It has these layers, and in each layer, the carbon atoms form a hexagonal lattice, and that each layer is called graphene. But the layers are weakly bound together by what's depicted here with these purple bonds, and that's called a van der Waals interaction. So what we have here is a material that's actually pretty tough in terms of the behavior of a layer, but the layers, because they're only weakly bound together, the whole thing comes apart very easily, and that's what makes it suitable for use um, in pencils, among many other things. So these are the three basic common forms of carbon. And for a long time, materials like this were thought to be the whole story for carbon. However, in 1985, a whole new kind of family of materials uh, was discovered. What was found was that uh, carbon can also form this structure. This is an object that contains exactly 60 carbon atoms. In fact, the pattern of how they're arranged turns out to be exactly the same as the patches on a football. And this is really 
a very unusual molecule because normally if you look at a molecule that has 60 atoms in it, you'll find that those atoms are in an extremely complicated pattern, very difficult to understand just by looking at it. This is really more of a, a mathematician's dream of what a molecule should look like. Uh, it, it is a very beautiful thing, and it was first understood to exist in uh, 1985. The guys who discovered it went on to win the Nobel Prize for that, and since then people have found that it also occurs naturally. So this chap is, has various names. Some, sometimes it's called C60, carbon 60. Sometimes it's called a buckyball, after the architect uh, Buckminster Fuller, who uh, designs geodesic domes that have a similar kind of structure to them. So we'll call it a buckyball, I guess. And then there's another, one more uh, equally exotic thing that I'd like to show you, another building block that we'll be using. And that's this guy here, which is commonly called a nanotube. Now what you can see here is that we have a hexagonal pattern. I hope you'll be able to see this. There's a it, the, the structure of the tube is made out of hexagons. So it's like one of those sheets of graphene that exist within graphite. But instead of being just layers, each one stuck to the next one weekly with van der Waals, this chap has wrapped itself around into a narrow tube. Now the width of this thing is actually, it's even uh, smaller than DNA. It's very small. It's one nanometer across. And it can be extraordinarily long. On the scale of this model, nanotubes would reach, let's say, to Switzerland. They would be um, hundreds uh, or even thousands of kilometers long on this scale. And that makes them, among many, many other things, it makes them uh, very interesting as conductors. The nanotube is also extremely strong. And people have speculated about many exotic uses, including uh, the suggestion of a space elevator, which was the idea of having a satellite in orbit that's tethered to Earth by a rope. And such a rope would have to be incredibly strong for its weight. No rope that we can build at the moment has that properties. But some people speculate that this chap, if we had a rope and the fibers of the rope, when you zoom right into them, turn out to be nanotubes, long nanotubes, then maybe that would have the properties we need. But uh, that's not the direction I want to uh, go in with this exhibit. Let's uh, for now come back to this guy here, this buckyball. Now, I'm not a chemist by background, I'm a physicist. And when a physicist sees something like this, uh, what we're looking at here really is a container. There's a void in the middle, and indeed it is possible to put things in there. So it's really nature's smallest box, one could say, a box made of just 60 atoms. Now, physicists use quantum theory to describe things at the scale of individual atoms. So as a physicist, I see this and I think to myself, this is a tiny quantum box. And when I have the words quantum and box in the same sentence, then as a physicist, this makes me think of something called Schrodinger's cat. In the next podcast, I'll tell you about Schrodinger's cat, an animal whose strange destiny it is to be both dead and alive at the same time.